You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Closing out our series, XO. Have y'all been enjoying this relationship series? I know that... I, I know that we've only had, sorry, this mic is kind of funny. Uh, I know that we've only had one of this week, like, actually in person, and the other two have been online, but it's really been so good. We've kind of been taking this, for the past three weeks, this broad, bird's-eye view of relationships. This whole series, we've been talking about what it looks like to walk in relationships the way God designed us to walk in them, Right? And uh, if you remember the first week, we talked about how if we want to be in a healthy relationship, if we want to walk in a relationship that looks like God, it starts with you. Look at your neighbor and say, it starts with me. It starts with me. How many of you know, how many of you know it's kind of hard to control other people's emotions, right? It's kind of hard to control the choices other people make, right? It's impossible. You can't control what other people choose. The only person, the only thing that you have control over is what? Me. Me. It's you. So we talked about how healthy relationships, if we want to walk in those, it starts with you. And then the next week, uh, I'm just going to do a really quick recap because we're going to be closing out this series tonight. The next week, we talked about the culture of relationships. Who watched that on YouTube? Yes. That was week one of the snowpocalypse. We talked about the culture of relationships. Every relationship that you're in has a culture, right? Yeah. Like the way you talk to your mama. Is different than the way you talk to your best friend, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Should be. <laughs> the way you act around your boyfriend is different than the way you act around your little brother, right? Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Every relationship has a different culture, and that's not a bad thing. But the thing is, every relationship has a culture. It's either good or it's bad. It either looks like God's culture or it doesn't. And we talked about how... The good thing about what we see in the Bible is that culture is moldable. That means that God's called you and I to step into cultures that aren't good and shift them and change them, right? Right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure you guys are there. Um, and then last week, uh, our very own Molly, she broke the internet. She broke the internet with that fire word, talking about, yes, talking about how to serve people in relationships, how to be for people in relationships. And uh, can we make some noise for that word last week? It was so good. I, uh, I hope that you heard it. If not, it's on YouTube and our podcast, which we have. And so you should check it out. Um, so really, we've been taking kind of a bird's eye view, like a really broad stroke view and, and approach to relationships. Um, but tonight, we're getting down to, to the real stuff. Like, we're, we're getting real tonight, y'all. We're going to be answering not broad questions, but specific questions, hard questions, um, somewhat taboo questions for people. We're going there tonight. We're, we're, we're going there. It's going to be really good. Um, but before, before we get into that, you may have noticed it's not just me up here tonight. Surprise. There's more of us. Um, I'm not just going to be preaching this tonight. We thought it'd be fun if we shook it up tonight. Um, so I invited some of, my, some of my favorite people 
to come help me because I need some help. Come help me answer these questions tonight. So I just wanted to quickly introduce them to you. First off, we've got my man E-Man at the down. Make some noise for E-Man. E-Man. E-Man is an absolute stud. Uh, If you don't know, if you don't know, E-Man is the pastor over our Threshold class. Threshold Threshold is where our fourth through sixth graders meet every single weekend on Sunday. E-Man runs that class. And here's what I think is really cool about that. E-Man doesn't just come here week in and week out to serve you guys and to pour into you guys, but he's also preparing and developing the people who are going to be in this family, like just in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love E-Man's heart. In fact, I was, I was thinking about this as I was writing, but I remember the first time I, I met E-Man and Molly in our tiny little lobby at Noah's. Do you guys remember that little, like after church, we would all just be like cramped. It was so tight. But I remember meeting them, and I remember like, I really remember the Lord highlighting Eman and Molly to me the moment I met them, and I was like, I know that these are not just gonna be people that attend New Song. And really quickly, we, we found that out. We saw their hearts. So that's Eman. I love Eman. And uh, next to me is Eman's better half, can I get an amen? The best half. Oh, he says, he says the best half. That's right. That's a good husband answer. Um, yes. Molly is incredible. If you don't know Molly, Molly is a deep well. So uh, here's what that means. You may not see it on the outside, but when you get to know her, when you get to talk to her, she is so deep. Her relationship with the Lord is so deep. It's awesome. In fact, um, she's somebody who has like the heart of David, like in the Bible. The Bible says that David was like a man after God's own heart. He just passionately was in pursuit of God. That's Molly. That's Molly right here. And so uh, Molly's incredible. She actually serves uh, not just at New Song Students, but she's part of my central team. So she helps me like plan out services for you guys, helps our team uh, not suck on Wednesday nights. I'm kidding. We've got the best team in the church. So, uh, but she helps us run and uh, be amazing. So we love Molly. Make some noise for Molly. And last, last but certainly not least, is Annie. Can we make some noise for Annie? Um, Annie, Annie's incredible. Annie also serves on my central team. And so Annie helps me and Molly uh, plan for New Song students, pray for you guys, get ready for the next series. She speaks. She does it all. In fact, she really has become like the backbone for New Song students. We love Annie so much. In fact, uh, I was thinking about Annie. Sorry, don't cry. No crying allowed. I was thinking about Annie, and um, something I love about Annie is, one, she is for people. Like, if you know Annie, Annie is for, don't cry. She is for people. She loves people the way Jesus loved people. And also, something I love about Annie is that she loves the word. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you get to know Annie, you'll know pretty quickly that she's not just like somebody who reads the Bible, but she's like a student of the word. So like she, she wrestles with the word. She like wants to learn more. She's always digging and asking the hard questions. And I love that about you, Annie. You've inspired me. And so... Um, Annie's amazing, and I hope you guys get to know not just these leaders up here, 
but every single person who has one of these lanyards. In fact, leaders, can you just wave your lanyard up in the air if that's you? Uh, New Song students, if you don't know our leaders, you need to. Like, no excuse, because everybody with one of these lanyards is here for you. That's why they're here. They're not here because they get paid, because they don't. (laughs) They're not here. They're... Sorry. Uh, They're not here for any other reason, check this out, other than because they love you. They love serving you, and so, well, yeah, they get free pizza, but trust me, that ain't that worth it. They're here for you guys, and so you need to make sure that you're growing in relationship with your leaders. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. Are y'all ready to get into asking for a friend tonight? Okay. Okay. Well, hey, before we get into it, I do want to pray, but I also want to just quickly mention two things. First off, I've said it a lot, but we're getting real tonight. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're going to be talking about things like, I'm just going to say it, the word sex, okay? Oh, this, Is that this, okay? Will be the, this will be like the first time in 15 years that I've said that whole word without spelling it out. Not, yeah, we, like, I'm going to say not spelling. it. I'm not we're not saying spell S-E-X. S-E-X. We're saying yeah. the whole thing tonight, okay? Guys, Zane and Brayden, when we're at home, do I say it or do I spell it? I spell it. I'm like. No, we ain't spelling it tonight. In fact, just look to your neighbor and say, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) That was a joke. That was a joke. No, but for real, New Song students, check this out. Check this out. I, I say that. I say that because I don't want, I don't want that word to be a distraction to you tonight. Like we really are. We're getting real tonight. We're talking about some real stuff. And whether you're in a season of life where that's something that you've dealt with or that's something that you've experienced or that's something, I'm not just talking about sex, but I'm talking about like relationships with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or boundaries or anything like that. I say all that to say this, whether you're in that season of life or not, you're going to be. You're going to be in a season where you have to answer these questions or where your life is confronted with these questions. And so many times in the church, we don't answer these questions, right? Yeah. Or we kind of beat around the bush, and we don't just confront it. But tonight, we're going to be confronting that word, and we're going to be confronting the hard questions. And so I don't want it, that to word to distract you, but check this out. Um, there's a reason why we're doing a night like tonight, and that's because sometimes in life, there are hard questions, Right? Right? Yeah. Like, some questions are not hard to answer. Like, I was thinking about this. Like, uh, if we're trying to answer a question biblically like, is murder wrong? <laughs> That's kind of a black or white question, right? That's a yes or no question. The Bible specifically says, thou shalt not murder, right? <laughs> so it's not like, I wonder what God's word says about killing people. Like, we know pretty black and white what it is, right? But there's other issues and questions that we face in life that are not as black and white. They're gray. Like, the answer is not so easy to answer. Um, But here's what I want you to see tonight. Check this out. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says, all scripture. Somebody say all. all. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, his word, to prepare 
and equip his people to do every good work. So here's what I want you to know tonight. God's word has an answer for every single one of these questions we're going to answer tonight. But some of these answers, they don't have like a thou shall not or you should do this answer, right? It's a little bit deeper than that. It's a little more gray. But what I want you to know tonight is God's word answers every single question. It answers our questions about dating. Not explicitly, but it does. It answers our questions about relationships, everything. So that's what we wanted to talk about tonight. Um, So before we get into uh, the first question, let's pray. Y'all cool with that? Y'all good? Yeah. Okay, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. And Lord, I thank you so much that um, you've called us to confront issues in our world, that you haven't called us to shy away or to beat around the bush or to be afraid of the things that we face in this life, but you've called us to confront it. You've called us to answer it. You've given us your word, which really is the foundation. It's everything we need in life. And so, Father God, we look to your word tonight, and we ask that you would breathe on us as we answer these questions Help us to be clear and concise and open up our hearts, Father God, to receive everything that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, We're going to have fun tonight. We're just going to have a conversation. So uh, y'all cool? Y'all ready to get into the first question? Okay. First question. Check this out. That was submitted. Was this. Um, oh, oh, there we go. All right, I'm going to read it on here. Check this out. If sex, we're getting there. First question, here we're we go. Just, we're just jumping in. They're like, oh, <laughs> We're jumping in, y'all. We're diving in. <laughs> we're jumping in. This, yeah, this question has that word three times. Check this out. But I haven't even read it yet. Let me read it. All right. If sex wasn't considered the ultimate way to show love for your partner, would people rush to have sex as much as they do. Okay, so uh, the way I took this question was, uh, well, first off, I think what we've got to answer is the fact that sex is actually a good thing. Um, It's actually a good thing. And I think sometimes in the church, especially when we're growing up and uh, we're learning about God's way for us and how he's called us to live and we hear so many times, don't have sex, don't have sex before you're married. Have you ever heard that before? We hear that a lot in church, right? Um, And sometimes we can hear that so much that we think that sex is a bad thing. And so it's confusing when we hear that sex is actually a good thing and it's created by God, but then it's a bad thing and we shouldn't do it, right? Well, I think the first thing that we have to realize is that sex is not a bad thing. It was created by God. Um, And I was thinking about this today. Um, Sex is a really powerful thing. It was created by God to only be, you've probably heard this before, in the context of of a marriage, right? A husband and a wife. And there's a reason why. It's because when you're under that covenant, you're under protection. That's because sex is a powerful thing. It's kind of like this. It's like, you know what a fireplace is in a house, right? Like a fireplace has a fire literally inside of your house, right? How many of you know fire is a powerful thing? But inside of a fireplace, what does it do? It, it, it's, it's contained, right? 
It keeps your house warm. It brings comfort. It may even bring your family together. Like, it's a really good thing. But how many of you know that fire, just two feet outside of that fireplace, is really destructive, right? Like, it'll burn your house down, destructive. Um, And so, really... This is really a, an amazing picture of what sex is. It is a beautiful thing, and it's a powerful thing. But the marriage bed is like that fireplace. It's what protects it. And outside of it, it is something that is really destructive. And I don't just say that because it's what God's Word says. I say that from experience. I know all of us up here have a little bit of experience and a little bit of, sorry to just burst your bubbles, everybody. What? I just threw you guys under the bus. But, um, <laughs> sorry. They'll, they'll, they're going to share. But in, in personal experience, it's something that is, it, it is totally different outside of the context of marriage. And so the first thing that we need to do when we're answering a question like this is know that, well, one, sex is not a bad thing. It's something that's created by God. It's good. But outside of marriage, it's bad. But check this out. Here's the thing. That question, is it still up there? Look at this. It says, if, if sex wasn't considered the ultimate way to show love for your partner. So look at this. This question is assuming something that so many people assume, and it's that they think sex is the ultimate way to show love to somebody. But guess what? That is not the ultimate way to show love to somebody, like at all. In fact, check this out. Uh, Ephesians 5.25 says this. This is talking about in a marriage. It says, for husbands... Uh, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave him his life up for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing word of God. It, it's showing us right here the ultimate way for husbands to love their wives. And does it say, husbands, the ultimate way to love your wives is to have sex with them? No, what does it say? It says the ultimate way to love somebody is to lay down your life for them. So check this out. This is actually really important. I think so many people do rush into going too far with a relationship or, or going deep in a way where they are stepping into that sexual boundary without being in marriage. They do that because they have that lie in their head that the enemies show them that that's the best way that you can love somebody. But check this out. That is not the ultimate way. The ultimate way for you to love anybody, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, your neighbor, is to serve them. And so um, I I hope that opens your eyes a little bit. Like the the ultimate way to love somebody is not to go as far as you can with them. The ultimate way to love them is to serve them. In fact, we talked about this a little bit. Like sex outside of marriage and and lust in general is not reality, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. That's actually a a lie that we believe. And so we think we're loving somebody when really we're actually like stealing from them, right? And so the ultimate way to show somebody love is really at the end of the day is to serve them, right? Yeah, that's good. So y'all ready for the next question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, You want to get the next question up there, David? What's the next question? If love weren't portrayed in the media the way that it is, do you think that we would love the way that we currently do. Who's answering that? Yeah, that's, that's for me. And okay. Um, when I was, like, first reading the question and thinking about it, I think my natural 
like responses, yeah, I, th- I kind of feel like if media was out of the picture, like then maybe like what we see in relationships would be different because I mean, just COVID alone, like a lot of us have been trapped in our homes. And so all we have for our like understanding of the world is what we see on television or what we see on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Not that they're like necessarily bad, but sometimes like that's the only message we're getting. And right now in our culture, like a really big thing is to, you know, identify like your sexuality, identify your sex. Like, are you man? Are you woman? Are you uh, him, her, they? You know, what's your like personal pronoun or whatever? And then, you know, what's your sexuality? Like, do you like men? Do you like women? Do you like both? Do you like nobody? Are you fluid? Are like, there's all these different definitions that we have now. And so from, like, the surface, I think it's so easy for us to be, like, oh, my gosh, yeah, it's, it's definitely the media, and it's, like, driving this um, kind of twisted understanding of relationship. But I think if we, like, take a second just to pause and breathe and, like, actually go back to Scripture, this is not a new issue. Like, this right. is an old issue. Um, all the way back to the very beginning in the garden, Uh, we see Satan, his very first like interaction with humans is he's talking to Eve and he actually quotes God. Um, But he kind of twists the quote just a little bit. So he's presenting truth, but it's twisted truth. And so I think that's partially why Eve accepted it so quickly because it sounded close enough to the truth. And so it was disguised. Um, And so he basically, he's saying, you know, what did God say? What did he really say? And right there in that moment is Satan challenging relationship from the start. He's challenging the relationship between Eve and God saying, if God really loved you, like, why is he keeping this knowledge from you? Like, if he really loves you, wouldn't he want you to have this? And right then is like the first um, twisted relationship idea presented. And, and we see in the Bible it continues on with, um, like, we see people who, like, in Sodom and Gomorrah, who men were sleeping with men and women sleeping with women. And um, there was rape and there was incest and all of that. So, like, that is not a new age thing. It happened in the Bible, and it's the twisted version of what God meant for us. And, and so when we take that in mind, media is not the issue um, it's the sin Say behind again, it. Molly. Yeah. yeah. So media good. is just like the outlet that right now Satan's kind of operating in. And media in and of itself is not bad. It's just one of the outlets um, God is, or not God, sorry, that Satan is using. And so I think even if media was stripped away and there was a different avenue, like Satan could easily get into something else. So good. So then I think our our next question is like, well, then how do I know, like, am I really entering this relationship with, like, the right understanding, or have I accepted, like, a twisted relationship, um, a relationship that God never designed for me to have? And I think that is why um, it's important for us to to be careful what we watch and to be careful what we um, subscribe to, because... Um, let me pull it up real quick so I don't misquote it. But the Bible talks about in uh, Proverbs, you know, you have to guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. And as a man thinks in his heart, 
that's who he is. And so our thoughts and our heart can change so easily just by what we put in front of us. But if we go back to the source of the truth, we can know um, that we are, like, really following the truth. And um, Romans says, like, don't copy the behavior of the world. Let God transform what you're thinking. And that's um, how you can know your thoughts are, like, really real. But I just want to share one more scripture real quick on this thought because I think it it really um, shows this dynamic. It's in Ephesians 4, uh, chapter or chapter 4, verse 17, says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, which in this case, the Gentiles are just a group of people who aren't having a relationship with God. So don't do like they do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and have hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And so I think, like, ultimately, again, just going back to the question that the media is not the issue, but it's what we are letting define the truth. So if the media is twisting the truth and and we're not catching it because we're not going back to God, then that's where our love and that's where our relationships get twisted and get messed up and we start getting into an area that we were never meant to be in. So good. Um, Yeah. Like she was, I've had this conversation with, Matt and I have had this conversation with our kids before where today is really hard for a teenager. It's really hard for you guys. Um, There are so many different like pronouns that you could identify with. Um, So many different sexuality, you're homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, transsexual, asexual. I mean, there are so many told our kids, Guys, when I was y'all's age, you're either gay or straight. Those were your only options. A or B. B. And so that's just it is Satan is constantly evolving um, truth. You can't evolve truth. God's word is the same today as it was yesterday, as it was the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that. It is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. God's truth is concrete, it's solid, it's never going to change. Whereas Satan's word, it's constantly evolving, the truth is changing, it's shifting, it's morphing. Truth doesn't morph. It's either true or false. So, yeah. So good. All right. Amen. By the way, we're going to have to crank through these answers because of, woo, we got a lot of questions. Amen. Hit me with this answer. I got a question for you. Oh, I got the answer. This was submitted by one of you guys. How do I have a good relationship with God? Yeah, so um, I like this question because I feel like you, even in our last series, we did uh, Pursuit, um, and that's our word for the year. Yeah, Pursuit. What, what? Boom. But I think, honestly, the best way to have a good relationship it, with God is you got to look at it as how do you have a good relationship with anybody, 
right? Me and Molly didn't just all of a sudden be like, hey, you want to get married? And she's like, all right. And then like we, and then, and then it happened, right? We spent time with each other and we're continuously spending time with each other. And so that's it with God. In order to have a good relationship with God, just invite him into your life. Just invite him into your daily life. Um, I think, especially like, especially in my life, you know, I've been raised in church. So I have a tendency to over-spiritualize inviting God into my life sometimes, right? But just invite him into your day. Father, join me. Uh, Father, you know, be a part of my life today. You know, hang out with me today. Simple as that. And, and, and watch how as you start saying that and start doing your normal things. If you're going to basketball practice, hey, God, be with me in basketball practice. Boom. That's having a good relationship with God. You're like, hey, I'm about to go to uh, a gymnastics. Uh, I'm about to kill at this gymnastics meet. God, be with me at this gymnastics meets. Boom. That's having a good relationship with God. All he wants is just time with you. And the more you just start inviting him in, you'll start to look back at your life and be like, man, I have this amazing relationship with God. And all you really did was just invite him into your life. And it doesn't have to be super spiritual. I'm not saying you have to get on your hands and knees and beg and, and plead. And, and, you know, there's times where you do that. You know, there's times where you're like, I'll be in prayer with God and I'm really seeking him and I'm <laughs> crying, you know. But then there's other days where I'm up in the attic, I'm sweating and I'm running some line. I'm like, Father, I need your help. Be with me. And that right there, all of that is just having a good relationship with God. So I just encourage you. Uh, invite God into the daily stuff, the normal stuff. And next thing you know it, you'll just have this amazing relationship. Yeah. And the word. I mean, yeah. um, this is his conversation with you. Like this is how he tells you what he wants for your life and how he, um, and, you know, I used to think that the word was super boring. Like Jackson said, like, now I'm like, a stu- I love it. I can't get enough of it. Because, guys, his word is so interesting his word is hilarious. Like, yeah. are you guys aware of God's sense of humor? He's hilarious. He's we were talking about it while we were doing the shred of, you know, when they were in the desert for 40 years and they're like eating manna and that's all they have is manna, 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 like breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks. Manna, manna, manna. And they're like, God, we're sick of manna. And he's like, fine, I'm going to give you meat. I'm going to give you so much meat it's going to come out of your ears or nostrils or whatever. Like, God, you are hilarious. <laughs> like, so just, uh, yeah, word. Invite all that good stuff. So good. All right, Annie, I got a question for you. Uh, are you? What do you, you want to know? Oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. You ready? What do you want to know? Uh, are you? I, I want to know from the wizard. Uh, are you Matt's only? Matt's the wizard. That's right. Matt's the wizard. <laughs> are you only supposed to date one person? Is it wrong to have exes? So. <laughs> what? Who are you laughing at? Okay. So this question is interesting. You know, like Jackson said, there's not a whole, I mean, some things are black and white, some things aren't. So dating, the word dating, it doesn't even actually exist in the Bible. Dating wasn't a thing in biblical times, okay? Um, there's no biblical pers- like perspective mention of it. And meeting your spouse in biblical times wasn't like it was today where you, like, ooh, he cute, or compatibility, or personality traits. It was more like about, economic status and family lineage and all, you know, you didn't even get to choose really your mate a lot of times. A lot of it was arranged marriages. Um, you know, in today's times, dating is like going to a dinner or a movie. Biblical times, your extended family would be there. There'd be a dowry, which is like a price 
that you pay, the husband pays for the bride, usually like a couple goats, some sheep. You know, that's what dating would that's be. That's how I got you know. Haley. Yeah, exactly. Got a three goats, goats and a lamb. Three, three goats and a lamb. And a lamb. That good yeah. goat. <laughs> and a lamb. Got to remember so the lamb. So even though, but even though the Bible doesn't talk about dating and how to date and doesn't answer this question, there are biblical perspectives that we can take in the Bible that um, translate into all relationships, including your dating relationships. And Molly mentioned Romans 12.2 earlier, and I think this verse speaks to just about all of our questions that we're going to answer, but especially to this one. um, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So be, so don't just do what the world says, like, oh, he killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to look and see what the word says about relationships. And, uh, and so it, during these questions, even if we can't answer them like a black and white answer, um, we can still gain perspective. And so if it doesn't answer it black and white, then I'm just going to give you my opinion. We're just going to give you our opinion on what it is because it doesn't answer it. Um, so in my opinion, yes, it is okay to date multiple people, not at one time, to date don't multiple people. Yeah, don't do that. Um, you know, I've told my, like I've told my boys, it is okay to date as long as it's from the perspective of finding out what you like and what you don't like, um, finding out what characteristics and personality traits you want in a future spouse. Um, you know, worldly, like I said, worldly dating talks about, oh, he's so cute or he makes me feel this way and dating so many people. Um, but instead of just searching for a physical or emotional connection and dating everybody you bump into at the mall, you know, Christians should desire to discover the character of a person, whether they are a follower of Christ um, and what traits they want in a uh, future husband or wife. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So that scripture says, whatever you do. That means whatever you do. In everything that you do, do it for the glory of God. And uh, that relates to our, that also goes for our romantic relationships. That's so good. That's so good. I also think just real quick on that, like, don't undervalue the um, friendship. Like, a lot of things we can figure out in a friendship, and you don't have to invest, like, beyond that and, and risk, like, some of the the damage that can come from so jumping into relationships too fast. So, um, yeah, I agree with like and you said, like, it's not bad to have exes, but I think sometimes we just go off of... We think they're pretty or cute, and yeah, and I've then heard it, it's easier there's nothing to, else. It's easier to promote somebody, and it's harder to fire somebody. Yes, yeah. I think in the same way in a relationship, yeah. it's yeah. a lot easier to over time realize, you know what, I think I want to date this person. Yeah. Than to jump into a relationship too early and be like, like oh, oh this is not what I'm supposed <laughs> to be <laughs> in, <laughs> and then fire, break up with them. It's a lot harder to do that. Yeah. Um. All right, E man, I got one for you. All right. Uh, what would be the right age? For you to start dating. All right. 30. No, I'm just kidding. I just messed up. I just messed up. Yes. If it's my daughter, whenever I say is the right time. Uh, no. Um, so I got two things real quick on this. I think, first of all, when's the right age to start dating? I think 
first and foremost, if your parents have set an age requirement for you to start dating, then that's the age to start dating. Come on. Um, if it's if your parents say you can't say you can't start dating until you're 16, then guess what? You can't start dating until you're 16. If your parents sorry, say no, you sorry. can't start dating until you're 18, right? And I know that's a huge. Oh, I'm an adult, but you're still under your parents' Amen. Uh, house. Then guess what? You shouldn't start dating until you're 18. Um, when God gave the commandments to Moses, He said, "Honor your father and mother." He never put an age requirement on that. So it wasn't stopped. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, it was funny as I was thinking this through. Say that again. Yeah, (laughs) so, you know, when God said, honor your father and mother, he didn't put an age requirement on that. So when I was thinking about this, like, I am 27, I will be 28 here in October. I'm married four, I've been married, yeah, I've been married almost six years, but I still, I know, (laughs) but I still honor my mom. I still honor my father. It doesn't matter. I'm 18. So anyway, so there's not, so if your parents have set an age, you need to honor that age and you need to respect that age and you don't need to start dating until you've reached that age. So that's one. But then secondly, I think we need to, when we talk about when's the right age, I think it's less about the right age and more about a maturity level. That's so so good. Yeah. Cause I know people who are 30 who are dating that they should not be dating, <laughs> and they're 30. And I know people, in all honesty, who have respected their parents and who started dating when they said they could and have been mature enough to start dating at 16, and I look at their life and I'm like, that is so healthy. Yeah. And so I think it's more along the lines of, are you mature enough to start dating? You know, are you able to, we'll, we'll talk about boundaries and stuff like that. Are you mature enough to have those boundaries and stay within those boundaries? Are you mature enough to like, you know, if you have hard times, instead be like, oh my gosh, and then like walking off, you're like, all right, <laughs> let's let's talk this through, let's fight this, or let's let's get through this in a healthy, godly manner. I think it's about maturity versus an age. Because if I said 18, a 19 year old is going to start dating, and then it's going to blow up in their face and be like, well, I thought I could start dating when I'm 18. It's like, but you weren't mature enough. That's so. We've got to get in the maturity. Uh, mindset versus the age mindset. So well, good. and the maturity of why do you want to date that person? Yeah. Is it just because, oh, he cute? Yeah, exactly. Or what do you know about that person? What do you have in common with that person? All kinds of stuff go into that. And, and uh, it can comes you afford with, to actually go yeah, on a date? Yeah, that's nothing practically. <laughs> yeah, practically. If you, you know, have a job. If you don't have a job, Molly men, the ball. All right, if you don't got a job, you don't need to be dating. All right? Like, you, you can't be like, hey, hey, uh, you want to date mom, with me? And then you go to, like, hey, your mom, can I get, like, $10 to take uh-huh. out the movies? No, that's not. No, no, no. And then ladies. Or you know what's worse? If you, you know what's worse is going on the date and then not paying for her. Oh, yeah. my gosh, don't yes. Do that. Like a separate transaction on a date? Yeah, and then, and then ladies, if he don't got a job, like, don't even deal with that, man. Nah, like, if he can't pay for you, so that's another practical thing. If you don't got a car, I'll get going. Yeah. Hey, mom, <laughs> can I buy your car? No, you can't. <laughs> that's good. Because it's my car, anyway. That's good. That's good, E-Man. That's really sure. good. Okay, Molly, I've got yeah. one for you. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah, I'm ready. All right, next question. We're going to try and fly through these so we can yeah. have enough time to party afterwards. Uh what should you do if you like somebody, but they don't share the same beliefs as you? Yeah, I think kind of what we're, we're starting to say is I think you need to actually honestly, like, ask yourself, like, go through the relationship in your mind. So, okay, if I were to really get with this person, 
we don't believe the same thing. So how is that going to look when I date them? And I think when we say believe the same thing, I think we're not talking about like, like, like the same thing. Yeah, but like, like believe in God and, and yes. have a relationship with Jesus <laughs> yes, and all that. that's yeah. it. Not pre-rapture, post-rapture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, we can figure that one out we'll, later. We'll that but like, so what does that look like when I date them? What would that look like if if we fell in love? Because now there are more stakes on the table. And what if we got married? What is that belief system going to look like? And then when we have kids, um, that's like a big turning point for people like, okay, would I raise my kids then under my belief system? Or would they have that influence? And, and so you have to play it out. Otherwise, like, why waste your time kind of thing? But the real reason that is a thing is going back to the Bible in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it talks about not being unequally yoked. And what that means, it's like a farming thing, which we don't really deal with nowadays. But um, it was you put two animals side by side and you put this yoke upon them, which is like an equipment piece, like a, a harness around their neck. And um, it would be connected to a plow and then they kind of keep walking, do their thing. And they're plowing the ground so that the farmer could plant seed and, and then have a good harvest. But it was important that the animals were the same, that they didn't put like a donkey and then a bull next to each other. And they, the animals were like the same size and the same strength so that they would go in a straight line and have the same intensity and be able to, to have like a good planting. Um, if they were to put... Uh, like a really strong bull with like a baby calf in that yoke that they were connected to, what happens is that baby calf hasn't been trained. They're not strong enough. And so they start um, trying to like kind of turning their head, trying to get that um, equipment off of them, trying to resist it. And as they're turning their head, they start turning and going in a different direction. But they're connected with this equipment. It would be like if we have handcuffs on. If she starts walking that way and I'm walking this way, even though I want to walk this way, we're connected and she's going this way. So somebody ends up turning. And that's what happens with the animals is they end up turning and they're no longer making a straight line in, in the ground. And so they can't get a harvest. So why the Bible uses that is because people of the time understood that. And what they would have understood is in a relationship, you are tied together. And so even um, if you want to be going in the same direction, if you have two different belief systems, you may be walking together for a while, but eventually one starts turning. And if one's turning, you're tied together. So at some point, somebody's got to change direction. And we always try and play this game, well, okay, well, I could maybe influence them to start having a relationship with God. And, and maybe that does happen, but it's a really big maybe. And the Bible says that um, no one can have two masters. Um, in Matthew 6, 24, that you end up at some point in your life, you pick a master to serve, whether it's God or whether it's a person. And so, good. so what you're risking when you're tied to someone who doesn't believe the same thing is you're risking coming to a place in your life where you have to choose between God and that person. And unfortunately, a lot of times God is the one that gets pushed to the side yeah. because we're like the weaker animal who ends up turning and driving the new position. And so that's why you have to be careful when you're um, with somebody who doesn't believe the same thing. It, the Bible doesn't say you can't have a relationship with them at all. Like you can't be friends. You can't, 
you know, hang out with them, but you don't want to jump into a relationship where you're tied to them because so you will get in a position where you decide, am I going to be with God or am I going to be with them? And, and a lot of times it's God that gets sacrificed. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, um, I've got the next question. It says, how do you have a healthy, or how do you have healthy boundaries in a romantic relationship without being overly religious? How do you have healthy boundaries without being overly religious? Okay, first thing that stuck out to me when I was reading this um, was that term overly religious. So I was thinking to myself, okay, what does overly religious mean? It means it means following rules like over a relationship. Like yeah. I think about the people in the Bible, like the Pharisees. You guys know about the Pharisees? They were people who were overly religious. So what does that mean? They focused so much on the rules, uh, not just that, but following the rules so that they could look a certain way, right? So that they could look holy, so that they could sound holy, so that they could have respect in the community. Um, So the issue with the Pharisees was not the rules. It was actually their motivation, right? Um, Their motivation was, I'm going to follow this rule over a relationship. I'm going to put the rules that I need to follow over anything else above all else. That's what made the rules bad. But how many of you know rules aren't bad? Like boundaries aren't bad. Um, Boundaries are meant to keep us safe. In fact, boundaries in a relationship, specifically when we're talking about like a romantic relationship, having boundaries um, is not an overly religious thing to do. It's actually something that helps you walk out God's best for your life. So I think if our, if our motivation to, like, obviously, I think a boundary in a romantic relationship before you're married is to not have sex, right? That's a boundary. That's a rule given by God, right? Um, but I think if your motivation to not do that is just because it's a rule, I don't think that's a good boundary. <laughs> I think if your motivation to not do that is just because you don't want to get in trouble, that's not a good boundary. But if, if the same boundary is there, but your motivation is, I know that's not God's best for me. I think that changes the whole perspective, right? It's not an overly religious boundary because you want to keep your heart safe. It's actually a really mature, healthy boundary. And so really at the end of the day, I, I don't think you can get overly religious with boundaries in a relationship. I think any and every boundary is good. Um, because what they do is they help us walk out God's best for our life. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, next question. I have, oh, I was you. talking with uh, Phoebe Anderson last night about it, and something that she was saying that she tells her kids is high road, low road. Which one do you yeah. want to follow? You know, high, if you take the high road, it's what God has for you. It's God's best for you. Take the low road, who knows what's down there. So Scary. it's one of those things where what, which one are you? You get the choice, high road, low road. Oh, and I was actually just thinking about this too. You know, like, you know, uh, have you ever heard of the book of Leviticus? Has anybody ever read the book of Leviticus? <laughs> if you've ever re- if you've ever read it, it's kind of boring. Good old Leviticus. Like, it's literally just a book full of rules. But check this out. I think this is really cool. I actually, a couple years ago, this is weird to say, but I, like, loved reading the book of Leviticus because I realized something. Like, if we just look at the book of Leviticus, all these rules, and we can see that, and we can say, man, that's so religious. Like, why is there so many rules? Like, I don't understand why 
the children of Israel had to have so many rules. That just, that just doesn't make sense. But if you know why God gave the children of Israel those rules, yeah. it changes your perspective because he didn't give them those rules to, like, keep them from having fun or to make their lives miserable. God gave them those boundaries and those rules because he was trying to set them apart. Yeah. And he's actually yeah. trying to keep a blessing on them. And so in the same way for us, like, when we have boundaries, not just in a romantic relationship, but when we have boundaries in our relationships in general, it's not to, like, keep us from having fun or to yeah. be have a hard, boring Christian life. Because that's God wants you to live the best life you possibly can. Yeah. And that's the reason why he gives us boundaries. Yeah. And so I think if that's our perspective shift, it changes everything. Okay. Uh, we're almost done. A couple more questions. I want to run through these really quickly. Um, let's see. I think this one's next. Uh what should I do if I crossed the line sexually in a relationship? Annie. So I know we're trying to run through these quickly, but this one's a heavy one. <laughs> right. um, I saw this. I was like, oh, crap. Um, sexual sin, I think, is very, very different than any other sin. Um, and it's because sex, uh, it, it involves our physical, our emotional and our spiritual lives. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you cross that, that line sexually in a relationship, first and foremost, and most importantly, God is the God of forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. God Amen. is the God of redemption. Amen. Um, there's literally nothing you could do. No, nothing you could come up with that could turn that love off that God has for you. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, now that doesn't mean that we get to be free of our, those consequences. Just because there's forgiveness from God doesn't mean that we're free of our consequences. You know, in Genesis three, God forgave Eve for that, for the sin, but he still said, you will now have pain in your childbirth. Um, so there's still consequences for that sin. You could, end up pregnant, STD, you know, all these different things um, that are still consequences from doing that. Um, and I kind of had to talk with our boys this week and kind of prepare them for this. But, um, you know, Matt and I, to get real, real, Matt and I, uh, we crossed that line sexually before marriage, um, not only with each other, with multiple people, and that has, that has led to issues that we have had to face and deal with in our marriage that has caused problems in our marriage that someone that didn't do, Molly and Eman, never had sex with anybody else but each other. Those are issues that they will never have to face that God will never burden them with, that they will never be burdened, not God that burdened with them, but they will never be burdened with because they didn't cross that line. Um, now, again, God is the God of forgiveness and redemption. Matt and I's story, our marriage, coming up on eight, 19 years this year. Come on. We are a story of redemption. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how wrong you've been. There's redemption there. There's an amazing love story there. But um, Hebrews 12 uh, says, and have you forgotten 
the encouraging words God spoke to you, his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So Matt and I have had to face some discipline from God because of our sexual sin. Um, But it's also because of his great love for us that he has disciplined us and we have walked out those consequences. Okay, but that wasn't the question. (laughs) The question was what should I do if I cross that line sexually? So I've got a few steps for you if you have done that or do 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 that. Um, Do do. She said do do. (laughs) One, confess your sins. First John says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Number two, admit your weaknesses. Romans eight twenty six, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You need to find the reason for your sexual sin. You've got to d- dig into your weaknesses. You've got to find the reason. Was it lust? Was it filling an emotional void? Was it more concerned about pleasing others than pleasing God? You've got to find the reason. If you don't seek that source, you're going to repeat it. You know, you're going to be tempted again. Third step, pray for a mentor or an accountability partner, someone you trust, someone who speaks truth, someone who's a Christian. Proverbs 15:20 says, "Plans fail where there is no counsel, but with many advisors they succeed." Number 4, guard your heart and guard your thoughts. Job 31:1, "I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman." And then in Matthew 18, he says, And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Um, Ouch. Uh, Step number five, stay connected to God every day in prayer and in Bible study. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul tells us, never stop praying. I think that's like the easiest scripture in the whole Bible. Never stop praying. And then in 2 Timothy, Paul says again, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, uses the scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And then finally, step six, and this is a tough one. Cut ties with that one that you cross that line with, at least for a time or for a season. Romans 13, 14, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about the ways you indulge to indulge your evil desires. So being around that person or that person themselves could lull you back into that sin. Yeah. So again, until you're able to walk all those steps out and find out what the reason was, especially the dig into your weaknesses, until you find out why you sinned, cut ties with that person so that you're not tempted to go back into that sin. Um, you can't fulfill your destiny that God has laid before you if you're living in sexual sin um, because sin causes a divided heart. Right, so, yeah, right. Sure. so good. Y'all hanging in there? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. 
Okay, we're getting close to being done. We've just got a couple more questions. We're going to try and run through these real quick. Um, but I'm having fun. Are you guys having fun? I'm having a blast. This is, this is a that lot of fun. That was a hard one. This is a lot of fun. That was it's heavy, good though. Stuff. But we're good confronting stuff. it, y'all. Somebody say, we're confronting it. Confronting, confronting it. Okay, it. okay. My, my question's next. It says, are you supposed to love everyone exactly the same? Nah. Are you supposed <laughs> to love everyone <laughs> exactly the same? Short answer, no. Um, are we supposed to love everyone? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the Bible's, yes. We are supposed to love everyone. So we are close. supposed to look like Jesus and the way we walk. Jesus loved everyone, but Jesus didn't love everyone exactly the same. Yeah. He loved everybody the best he possibly could and the best they needed it, but he didn't love everybody exactly the same. In fact, if we look at Jesus' life just really quickly, we see he has kind of like layers to the relationships of his life, like on the outside layer, that's like the people that he's ministering to. He's preaching to them. He's healing to them. They're like strangers. And he loves all of them, right? He loves every single person he comes in contact with. But then we see him love his disciples differently. They were 12 guys in relationship with him. And they were closer to him than, than a stranger, right? Yeah. And the way he loved them was different. They, they got to be around him in everything. They got to see everything. They got to be with him outside of the public eye. But even then, there was a three group of guys, uh, Peter, James, and John, and they had an even tighter relationship with Jesus. They were like his best friends. And they got to see things like him be transfigured on the mountain. Like they got to see things that none of the other disciples got to see. And so we kind of see Jesus giving us a model for how we actually can humanly handle other people. Yeah. We're not called to, to love and handle everybody's problems, right? But you are called to love everybody. What you can handle is you can handle loving a stranger the way Jesus did. You can handle loving your 12 or your five or your seven best friends. And you can handle the, the two closest people in your life that you have a good relationship with. But I think I love that, that Jesus gives us this kind of model of like how we can love the people around us. So yes, we should love everyone, but no, you don't have to love everyone exactly the same. You don't have to go to your stranger or somebody at Walmart, and uh, spill your guts and tell them how bad of a day you had because that's what you would do with your mom, Gosh, right? So today. No. Don't do that. Save that for your best friend, or you know what I mean? So, okay, next question. How do you honor your parents even if they aren't doing the right thing? Yeah, um, so, yeah it's good. And I think Eamon kind of mentioned this with the age thing, the verse um, about honoring our father and mother. Like there's not an added like verse of, but only like when you agree with them or like only when they are living <laughs> right. And I think sometimes like it's, it's all, it's hard to like do what's right sometimes, especially when other people aren't. I think that is like, we use that to kind of give us an escape or like a way out to not be responsible for stuff. Um, but we are responsible with our own relationship with God. And so in our own relationship with God, what he's asking me to do for myself is to honor my parents, regardless of what they're doing. Um, so I honor my parents because uh, Colossians 3, 23 says, um, do everything as unto God. So when you're honoring your parents, regardless of what's going on with them, how they're living in their life, you're ultimately honoring God. 
And that's like why it's important. Um, so practically how that looks like if your parents aren't doing right is honoring does not mean you agree with someone. Honoring doesn't mean that you are a robot who just follows every single command, but it means that you respect the position that God has put them in as your parents. You respect the authority um, and the title of that. And so there are things that you can do within your own relationship with God, making sure you're not crossing any lines, but that still honor your parents. So it's things like from the first Corinthians 13, where you, you love um, by not keeping a record of wrongs, you give them grace and you uh, um, do chores around the house. Like that's still honoring them. Say that again. Just just the little things like that. Chores. Chores. (laughs) Um, Those are all honoring and it's regardless of what your parents are doing. I think the only exception to this rule is if you're in a situation where your parents are abusive. That is something outside of like God's uh, will. Like ultimately he wants your life safe. And so if that's a situation, that's where you need to go to like a trusted adult and get safe from that. But aside from an abusive situation, if your parents are struggling with doing things right, that's they have to deal with that with God with themselves. But you are responsible for what you do with your relationship with God. And so a part of your own relationship with God is honoring the people he's put in your life as authority figures. So good. So good. Okay, a couple more questions. Is it ever okay to walk away from a friendship, or is that not forgiving people? So forgiveness, um, first of all, forgiveness and walking away two totally different concepts, not even in the same category. Um, Forgiveness and unconditional love are beautiful and godly qualities to have. Um, And in every relationship, forgiveness many times helps strengthen a relationship when we offer that forgiveness um, and restore any brokenness or hurt. Uh, So our goal is to always our goal is always forgiveness and restoration. Uh, but there are times where God clearly says that we are to separate ourselves from people that aren't good. Influences, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirteen says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. Now, I'm also not saying that Every single time you have a dispute or an argument, you have permission just to, like, walk away from that person. Um, you know, that's not, that's not what I'm saying either. God gives the perfect, he, God gives us, Jesus gives us a perfect resolution um, approach. And that's in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. It's kind of a long scripture, but I'm going to read it. It says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. So just because you have an argument with a person, again, you don't get the permission just to cut them off and say, you got them. Um, because differing opinions are healthy and they help us to grow. Um, but if you've exhausted all of these steps that Jesus lays out in Matthew, um, 
he does say to treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. And what he means by that is not that you're not supposed to love them and, like Molly said, honor them and respect them, but that you're supposed to set them outside of your fellowship. They're not supposed to be your inner core, your inner circle. That's good. Okay, two more questions. Last one for me. How far is too far? How far is too far? Uh, I think if you're asking this question in a boyfriend or girlfriend relationship, you're you're asking the wrong question. (laughs) Uh, In fact, Pastor Josh talked about this this weekend. He talked about uh, there's that scripture that says don't test Christ. Uh, Another way that what that means really is don't test Christ. the, the grace that you've been given through Jesus. In other words, don't just go as far as you can and say, is this okay, Jesus? Okay, I still get grace. I'm going to go a little farther. Is this okay? And you just keep going and you're testing the grace that God's given you. If you're asking the question, is this too far? It's probably too far. In fact, really just, I think a simple way to answer this is, are you sinning? <laughs> then yes, it's too far. And I don't just mean, are you doing this? Or are you doing that? I think uh, Jesus made it really clear that we sin not by, like, just our actions, but our heart posture. He said, if you just look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed the act of adultery in your heart. So think about that. If you're in a romantic relationship and you don't have boundaries in place where you're doing things that cause you to just think in in a way that's causing you to go too far, you're already going too far. And so I think just an and if you're in a relationship... I think just an easy, an easy gauge for you is, would you be comfortable doing that thing in front of her parents yeah. or your parents? Yeah. If not, it's probably too far. <laughs> or me. Uh, so, or E-Man. <laughs> if you were just Awkward. kissing out in the park, if you were kissing out in the park Awkward. by a tree and E-Man is staring at you, how far would you go? <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, last question, last question, and then we're going to wrap this up. E-man, how can you tell? How can you tell the difference between infatuation and love? Infatuation or love? It was funny earlier. I was calling infatuation intimacy, but anyways, okay. So how can you tell the difference? So, um, you know, I was thinking about it because I had one way, and then as I was just kind of boiling this in my mind, and I felt like God gave me this quick, simple, easy answer. At least for me, is the difference between. Uh, infatuation and love. I almost said intimacy again, but the difference between those is God is in love. He has nothing to do with infatuation. Um, so when you're trying to figure out uh, what, what the difference is, is you got to ask yourself, well, is God in this? Can I see God in this? Because if you find yourself in a dating relationship and you're just like, oh, you know, and you're just going through the motions. You're like, oh my gosh, I just, I so, I just love him, and and all these things. But you've crossed boundaries. You haven't respected your parents. You haven't done any of these things that we've talked about. You know, in this panel and stuff like that. Then you really got to be like, I'm. I might just be infatuated with this person. You know, I don't really love this person. But if you find yourself and you're like, hey, you know what? We we're we're going too far. We need to stop this. Or this isn't honoring our mom and dad. Or this isn't even honoring God then you begin to find yourself in this love and, um, and, and God's, God's all in that. In fact, I like this, this verse in 1 John 4, 11 said, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So again, when you're in a relationship and you're trying to be like, okay, 
Is this just me? Infa- is this me infatuated? And that's like basically just loving somebody for the sake. Like y'all remember Frozen? Anybody was seeing Frozen? Remember go. Frozen one? Okay. Like remember the princess at the very beginning? She was just singing a whole duet with that dude, and they just met. That's infatuation. All right. She didn't know. But they anything. were finishing each other's sentences. Yes. <laughs> that's not sandwiches. love. It's uh, infatuation. Sandwiches. They actually were finishing each other's sandwiches. Yeah. Right. Is I'm that sorry. what it was? I'm they sorry. didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But in all honesty, if you find yourself and you're and you're like, you know, when you're sitting here and you're going through this relationship and you're like, I don't see God in this relationship, then you could probably more likely decide that this is probably infatuate. This is infatuation that I'm infatuated with this person. This isn't real love because God is love. And if you abide in God, you abide in love. And if you abide in love, you abide in God. They go hand in hand. And I wanted to also just give you all this last scripture because we're like, okay, then what is love? And uh, 1 Corinthians 13, everybody, you know, you probably have heard this many times if you've ever been in church and talking about love, but it's powerful because it, it tells us what love is, but it says love is patient. It is kind. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or represent. Anyways, it's something. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. When you're looking for love and you're trying to figure out the difference between infatuation and love, you can look at this because this right here is what God is. He's so patient with us. He's so loving. He hopes for the best of us. And he doesn't remember the bad things we've done because I've done some stupid things. He encourages me. He corrects me. And he loves me the best way ever. And so I would say that's how you could tell the difference between infatuation or love. Yeah, I think of it as also if your love, what you're calling love, isn't producing a fruit of the spirit, isn't producing love, joy, peace, Boom. Patienceness. Yeah, that's good. Then it probably shouldn't be called love. That's not what Boom. we do. That's a yeah. great gauge. Great way to end that, Annie. Okay, everybody, take a deep breath with me. <sighs> Jay, you want to put some music on for us as we close? Did y'all make it? Was that good? Woo! Can you make some noise for yeah. your amazing leaders? Yeah. Now, New Song students, I know. I know we just ran through so much. We literally just unpacked so much information, went through so many questions. I hope you got something from this tonight. Um, and I hope you see our heart in this, that, that we don't want to just beat around the bush, that we don't want to just be afraid of these questions, but we really want to confront them because at the end of the day, somebody's going to be facing this question. Somebody's going to be One of you guys, somebody in this room, you're going to get to a point in your life where you have to answer this question. And if you don't know how, how are you going to walk through it the way God's called you to walk through it? And so um, as we close out this series, um, XO and pray and go hang out and eat donuts. And anybody stoked about donuts? Yes, we brought donuts for you guys. Before we do all that, before we just do all that, I want to pray for you guys because we've covered a lot of information and I want to pray for you and your relationships. So can we just bow our heads? and close our eyes. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. And we thank you for your truth, God. We thank you that your word, just like we read, it is suitable for every single question that we face. Your word 
gives us everything we need. It's, it's given for us to build our entire life upon. And I thank you so much, God, that uh, you don't just give us your word and then let us figure it out on, your, on our own, but you give us people in our life. You give us leaders. You give us pastors. You give us uh, people who, who have an understanding that can help us understand and help us walk and build our life in that same way. And so I thank you for tonight and the truth that was spoken over every single New Song student in this room. And I pray for every single relationship represented in this room tonight. Whether it's in a good season right now or whether it's in a bad season, I thank you that every single person in this room is called to to shift the culture in that relationship. They're called to lead. They're called to build a relationship on a foundation that can last on a foundation that looks like you. And so I thank you for for the fact that your word doesn't beat around the bush, but it confronts issues. And so we don't have to be afraid of those things. And so as a a New Song students family, we, we come against fear. We come against shame. We come against anything that would try to keep us from walking out relationships the way you've called us to. And I thank you for this series. I thank you for teaching us, for showing us how to walk in, in a relationship the way you've called us to. And I pray that you would seal everything that we've talked about tonight in our minds so that years from now, when we're walking in something where this comes up, we know the answer. We know what your word says. We know how to confront it. So I pray that you would seal that in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.